welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello and thank you for joining us. Today we'll have a very intriguing episode with a fascinating guest. Our guest today is Sam Horn, the intrigue expert. She's a positioning, messaging, branding expert whose work has been featured in the New York Times, Fast Company, The Washington Post, on NPR and MSN CBC. Her speaking clients include KPMG, Cisco, ASAE, Boeing, Inc. 500, Intel, NASA, and Capital One. And she has served as a pitch coach for Springboard Enterprises, which has helped entrepreneurs receive $6.6 billion in funding. And needless to say, she has also been TEDx speaker. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Oscar. I've been looking forward to sharing some ideas with your listeners. Well, I'm really happy to have you here, Sam. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself and your projects? Yes, I have the privilege of doing what I call the Holy Trinity, and that's to speak, write, and consult. And as you mentioned, I've had an opportunity to speak around the world for the U.S. Embassy in London and for the Asian Leadership Conference and for many uh, top Fortune 500 companies. And my writing includes books on pop and tongue fu, how to deal with difficult people without becoming one yourself. And uh, consulting, I help people with their, their high-stakes communications, whether that's a TEDx talk or a fundraising pitch or a keynote for an international convention. So that's a little bit about the, the work I get to do that I love. And uh, as Catherine Graham of the Washington Post said, to do what you love and feel that it matters. How could anything be more fun? That's how I feel. Oh, yes. And going to enjoy your career as a speaker, when did you start speaking? You know, many years ago, I was reading the Washington Post, mm -hmm. and I saw the word concentration six mm -hmm. different times on the front page of the sports section. And I thought, huh, you know, we all wish we could concentrate better. And here Chrissy Everett is saying she won the U.S. Open because of her ability to concentrate. But no one ever teaches us how to concentrate. Mm -hmm. And I thought, somebody's got to do something about this. I thought, I'm as much as somebody's anybody. I'll do something about this. So I researched the topic and uh, interviewed executives and artists and entrepreneurs and athletes. And at the end of my first program, 16 people came up and said, please come speak for my corporation or convention. <laughs> that started my speaking career. That's how it started. That's how it started. <laughs> and since the time you have started, have you ever had a stage fright moment? You know, you had mentioned in my intro, Oscar, about having the privilege of speaking for Inc. 500. And so mm. this is the top 500 entrepreneurial organizations uh, in the United States. And so before that, I was feeling a little nervous. And uh, I know that as an athlete, we're supposed to see speaking as a sport mm -hmm. and that when the game's on the line, there's two kinds of people. They're the kind of people who step back and say, don't give me the ball. Mm -hmm. And there are the people who step up and say, give me the ball. 
And I'm normally a give-me-the-ball kind of person. And I realized that what had happened for this event was that I had started becoming self-conscious. Self-conscious is thinking about how do I look and what if I forget what I say and will they ask me back? And that is not what speaking is about. And so I came up with a mantra about I am here to serve, not to show off. I am here to make a difference, not to make a name. And I, I started walking the halls to get myself back in that athletic zone where I was, I was ready and, and raring to go. And so that stage fright moment, I learned, uh, we're in that self-conscious state to start walking and talking to get ourselves in that athletic, you know, give me the ball kind of state and to remind ourselves we're there to serve, not to show off, to make a difference not to make a name, and to connect. And when we do that, we get ourselves in that lovely stream of conscious state where we're completely focused on adding value for the audience. So, yes, I've had stage fright moments, and uh, we can switch them into stream of conscious moments if we focus on connecting with the audience instead of how we're coming across. Yeah, sometimes we are focusing too much in ourselves, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's the origin of the, yeah, this being <laughs> self-conscious. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. You are the intrigue expert and you have the intrigue agencies. Um, since when you have the idea of naming your company like that and since when you are teaching, coaching how to intrigue? You know, I've actually been uh, running a business called Action Seminars for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. However, the first year of the Maui Writers Conference, uh, we did something that was unprecedented at the time. We gave authors from around the world a chance to jump the chain of command and meet face-to-face -face with decision makers. And what we didn't realize, though, is they didn't know how to connect with those decision makers. Mm -hmm. They would have 10 minutes with someone who could give them a deal, but they would blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and and I actually talked with Bob Loomis, who is the senior VP of Random House at that point. And I said, Bob, what's going on? And he said, Sam, we've seen thousands of proposals He said, we make up our mind in the first 60 seconds whether mm -hmm. something is commercially viable. And I, I watched the pitches the next day and I could predict who was getting interest in their project without hearing a word being said. And it was all based on the eyebrows of the decision makers. If the eyebrows were crunched up, crunch up your eyebrows right now, Oscar, kind of knit and furl. Do you feel confused? <laughs> you know, confused people don't say yes. And if the decision makers' eyebrows were unmoved, it meant they were unmoved or they'd had Botox. <laughs> But now lift your eyebrows. See, ah, do you feel curious, intrigued, like you want to know more? That means we got what we care about in your mental door. So that's when I realized that we're no longer in the info information age. We're in the intrigue age. People don't want information. They want to be intrigued and they want to be intrigued fast. So that's what I specialize in is how can we get people's eyebrows up for your idea, for your business, for your project, for your book, and how can we do it fast? And when was it you you start using the the name the Intrigue Agency? 
So it was about 10 years ago. Okay. It's when I started speaking about and writing about, and I, I wrote the pop book, and I wrote Got mm-hmm. Your Attention, all with these original techniques on how we can intrigue people, even when they're distracted or bored or skeptical. <laughs> 10 years as the intrigue expert. And now that you mentioned your books, uh, I can tell you that I, yeah, that's one of the main things we'd like to hear from you today, your newest book. The one I already, or not read, actually I have listened. I, I acquired the, <laughs> the audio book and I completely listened just a few days ago. Could you tell to our listeners, to our listeners, yeah, more about your book, got your attention? Well, you bet. I've been very privileged because that book has uh, been cover endorsement from Dan Pink and Marshall Goldsmith that it's a must for every leader. And, and, uh, here's just one of the techniques, uh, in that book about how in an, in an age of impatience where goldfish have longer attention spans than we humans do, what we can do to really get people's interest and respect and trust. So here's just one of my favorite techniques. Um, uh, as you mentioned in my intro, I am uh, the pitch coach for Springboard Enterprises. We've helped entrepreneurs get $6.6 billion in funding. Well, one of my Springboard clients came to me. She said, Sam, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I said, well, what's the good news? And she said, I've been asked to speak before a room full of investors in New York City. I said, that is good news. I said, what's the bad news? She said, I'm going at 2.30 in the afternoon, and I only have 10 minutes. And she said, you can't say anything in 10 minutes. You can't explain your business and your competitive edge and your team credentials and your financial projections. And I said, Kathleen, you don't have 10 minutes, you have 60 seconds. <laughs> and so here's the 60 second opening we came up with, Oscar. And, and if anyone listening has an idea they want to get a yes to, a project they want approved, a startup they want funded, you know, take notes on this because my clients have closed deals and, and uh, made millions of dollars from this technique. So she said, did you know there are 1.8 billion vaccinations given every year? Did you know up to half of those are given with reused needles? Did you know we're spreading and perpetuating the very diseases we're trying to prevent? Imagine if there were a painless one-use needle for a fraction of the current cost. You don't have to imagine it. We've created it. <laughs> are your eyebrows up, Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> See, now, if people, unless they're driving as they're listening to this, get out paper and pen, and and what are three did-you-know questions you could ask that your customers, your audience don't know, you know, and, you know, that go to the, the scope of the problem that you're solving, or that go to the urgency of the issue you're addressing, or that go to the size of the market that your product is meeting. And if you're thinking, well, where do I find these startling statistics? Well, just Google that stuff, GTS. Just go, go to Google and put in what are surprising statistics about blank. Now put in your product or put in your industry or put in your topic or put in your, your cause. And in seconds, up will come things that get your eyebrows up that even you didn't know. Mm-hmm. That If it gets your eyebrows up, it'll get your listeners' eyebrows up. Now, the next word is imagine, because the word imagine pulls people out of their preoccupation. And link the word imagine 
with three aspects of your answer to that issue. So if you think back to Kathleen Callender of PharmaJet, do you know how she used to start her presentations and her pitch and how she used to use a, an elevator speech for PharmaJet? She would say, we are a medical delivery device for subcutaneous inoculations. <laughs> are your eyebrows knit and furrowed, crunched up? <laughs> so, you know, we turned it into this, did you know, imagine, you know, uh, this painless one-use needle for a fraction of the current cost. And then you bridge to, you don't have to imagine it, we've created it. Now you come in with your evidence, with your precedence, with social proof, so that people know you're not just making this up. You have documentation or you have articles or you have testimonials to back it up and, uh, and you're ready to take it to the bank. So this is a, yeah, excellent technique that you, you have is, and as you said, is the first Minute is what the, the one that really matters. It's, it's so true. In fact, you know, Oscar, I've had a chance to work with a lot of clients and it's people, the, the clock starts ticking the second mm -hmm. we start talking these days and they really are making up their mind in the first minute, whether we're worth their time, mind and dime. And if we don't pleasantly surprise them and introduce something that really does pull them out of that distraction, then they're gone and we've lost our opportunity to get what we care about approved or funded or supported. Yes, Sam. And on your book, and also I also watched your, one of your TEDx talk at least, and you use a term called infobesity. What is, mm -hmm. what is that? Could you explain? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Newsweek had a cover story several years ago. It was actually called Brain Freeze. And what this article was saying is that it, there's just TMI these days, too much information. And that in the face of a torrent of information, our brain shuts down. When it's overwhelmed, it's immobilized. And, you know, this is infobesity. This is too much information, you know, too much of the time. And that's why it's so important uh, not to give people just information because they can get that anywhere. It's not compelling or intriguing for them. Mm -hmm. So that's why Got Your Attention is full of ways to make information intriguing, is to make content compelling. So instead of just being wah-wah, 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 it's actually interesting enough for us to pay attention to. Yes. Um, actually, about your book, one thing that I really like is that in the audiobook you are you are reading yourself. You are the the one who is reading your own your own book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, the the audiobook. Yes. In fact, uh, that's true, Oscar. Is that um, if if people have ever listened to the audios of Harry Potter. Uh, a voice actor named James Dale, Jim Dale, did that. In fact, in one of them, he did all 137 characters. <laughs> and it was, it's just a work of art. And my sons and I were actually on a road trip one time and we'd been listening to one of the books and we pulled into our hotel late at night. We actually sat in the parking lot because we had to finish one of the tapes. <laughs> so when I did the audio version, What I did and, and is I really pictured listeners 
And I really poured my, my heart into these words. I, you know, I know these people I'm telling the stories about or I'm telling my own stories. And when I'm giving techniques, I'm picturing people taking notes of these techniques and putting them into practice and getting real world results. So my whole goal was that, that maybe, you know, this would be such a compelling listen that, that people would, would not be able to stop, that they too would pull into a parking lot and keep listening instead of turning it off. So I hope that's what happened. Yeah, it is. I can feel the, the passion and how, how nice you, you, you read your own book. Sam, oh. I also, you mentioned already, uh, elevator speech, and I know that you, I think you discourage the use of elevator pitch, but I would like to know if you believe that that type of pitch has to be, is already completely outdated or is it's fine for some situations? What do you think? Thank you for asking that, Oscar. I think it is outdated. <laughs> And the reason is, is that do you know anyone who likes listening to a speech? And an elevator speech is, here's about me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and And it is, what a terrible way to meet someone is, let me tell you about myself. Mm. <laughs> And so we really, we have a new, what we call an inter, an elevator intro or an elevator connection. Because that really is what we're trying to do here. We're meeting someone who's a stranger. And our whole goal is to start the conversation in a way that we have a connection. Mm -hmm. So instead of just saying, well, here's about me. Here's a way that you can do it. A quick example, and then I'll give you the, the actual steps, is that I was speaking in Ireland um, for YPO, and one of the uh, presidents uh, came to me beforehand, and he said, Sam, I'm going to tell you something I usually don't talk about with people. I'm an introvert. And, you know, I'm a CEO of a company, but I fly around the, the country, the world to these events. And then I hang out in my hotel room, <laughs> he says, because I just hate small talk and chit chat in these cocktail receptions or, you know, are just like painful to me. <laughs> he says, plus, I can never explain what I do in a way that people get it. It's so awkward. I just avoid it. And so I said, can we play? And so I said, You know, tell me the results of what you do that I can see or that I can smell or that I can taste or that I can touch something that I've experienced. And he thought about it and he's talking about computers and financial software and credit cards. And finally the light bulb goes off in my eye and I say, oh, I said, Oh, do you make the software that makes it safe for us to buy things online? He said, yes. <laughs> And I said, don't tell people that. And he said, what? <laughs> he said, but that's what I do. And I said, I know. But if you tell people that, they're going to go, oh, and that's the end of the conversation. So we don't want to end the conversation. We want to jump, you know, kickstart a conversation. So turn it into a three-part question. Have you, a friend or a family member, ever bought anything online? And he said, oh, that's better. And I said, yeah, and you can make it even better by then saying, you know, I said, what are the three most popular on-site uh, uh, web retailers right now? And he said, eBay and probably Travelocity and Amazon. I said, so you ask, don't tell, ask, have you a friend or family member ever bought anything online, like on eBay, Travelocity or Amazon? And they're, they're going to come back with something. They're going to say, well, I hate it, but my wife's on Amazon all the time. She loves <laughs> the free shipping. Now, 
just link what you do to what they just said. Oh, well, I make the software that makes it safe for your wife to buy stuff on Amazon. Oh, look, the eyebrows go up. (laughs) They get it. They relate to it. They remember it. And now we have a connection. So that's why an elevator connection is don't tell people what you do. Ask a three-part question Mm -hmm. that then gives them a chance to relate and experience how they are familiar with what you do. Oh, and then link what you do to what they just said. Now you have a dialogue instead of a monologue. Now you're off on a conversation instead of one of those awkward pauses where they look at you and they go, uh, oh. <laughs> so this is called, uh, you call it elevator intro. That's correct. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds in really an, uh, an excellent way to connect with people. So you, much better. You <laughs> Sam, could you tell us a bit your experience being a TEDx speaker? Yeah, I'm, I'm very privileged is that not only have I had a chance to do a couple of TEDx talks at this point, both my sons have as well. My son works, one of my sons works for NASA and he did a wonderful TEDx program called Why We Need Space. And my other son uh, has done a TEDx at Burning Man, no less. <laughs> and uh, yes, and, uh, uh, and my talk is about how to intrigue. And, uh, it's, I so believe in making an interactive talk, even in an 18 minute talk, I had interaction mm-hmm. because in a world of infobesity, the old top down, I'm in charge. You're not. I talk and you don't. Mm-hmm. I think that's gone. That's outdated. And so, uh, in that talk, we talked about how to get people's eyebrows up. And we talked about the did you know. It's online, so they can just put in Sam Horn, TEDx, Intrigue, and up it will come. And I've had so many people tell me that they use that in their staff meetings to work with their employees on coming up with elevator intros that so they can go anywhere. They can go to the bark park. They can go to a networking event. They can go to a, a trade show or a conference. And they can give an elevator intro that actually makes it fun for them to meet people and that represents their company well. Yes, and so you have had two, two TEDx talks. That's right. Uh-huh. Okay. One, one on Seren Destiny that was for TEDx NASA mm-hmm. and uh, one on Intrigue. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have to watch the first one. I have watched only <laughs> the, the one that is, uh, I think, for last year. <laughs> and I know you also have experience as a TEDx coach. Could you tell us a little bit of your experience being a TEDx coach? Yes, it is. I have a a system that can help people give really one of a kind TEDx talk, TED or TEDx talks. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let me quickly tell you about just two of the clients I've had an opportunity to work with. Dr. Joan Fallon, F-A-L-L-O-N, has actually developed a treatment for autism. It's getting such promising results in its clinical trials. It's being fast-tracked by the FDA. So in our program, uh, in her TEDx talk, you know, she started by saying, how many of you in the room know a family that has a member with, uh, that has been diagnosed with autism? And at least half the people in the room put up their hand. And then she said, 
you know, how many of you know either a doctor or a therapist or uh, a teacher that is dealing with someone diagnosed? Well, everyone put up their hands, you know, and then how many of you know, you know, someone who's really had their life impacted by this? And she made her talk relevant for everyone in the room because she made it very clear in the first 60 seconds that that autism has become so uh, prevalent in our society that it's impacting really every family knows someone. And uh, that that's just uh, Eleanor Cliff said, we're all in a race to be relevant. And that's one of the most important things of a TED Talk is to make sure that that you make what you're talking about relevant to the people mm-hmm. in the room. So instead of them going, well, that's great, but what's that got to do with me? <laughs> <laughs> that they understand mm-hmm. that it's affecting them somehow. And then a, a quick story about Jean Sullivan. Uh, Jean Sullivan is one of Forbes' top five women impacting uh, VCs and entrepreneurs. And Jean talked about, are you dealing with bullies, uh, bo- bozos, or buffoons? And she she did something that's in the Got Your Attention book, which is she made it current. Instead of just talking about this topic generically or from her own experience, she referenced the recent movie Whiplash, where the lead character actually won the Academy Award. And she, not many people in the audience had seen the movie, so she quickly gave a synopsis of it, which is that there's this bully band leader who mm-hmm. who uh, really mistreats this young man, and he almost becomes suicidal, he ruins his relationships, but later in the movie, they meet up again, mm-hmm. and this band leader asks him to be part of a concert, but then he sabotages him by by switching up the music to make this young man, um, you know, look like a fool, but he pulls it off. And at the end of the movie, the bully gives him a nod of approval. And she said, that only happens in movies because <laughs> I think it is a terrible message about bullies. I've written a book, Take the Bullies by the Horn, and that is part of their uh, terrible insidious impact is that People somehow think that if they just say the right thing, if they just do the right thing, that someday the bully will make amends or apologize or give them approval. And believe me, that only happens in movies. And Jean gave people very insightful techniques on what to do if you have the bad luck to be in some kind of relationship with a bully. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, I watched this movie about uh, Whiplash, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for your uh, showing our, your experience in coaching TEDx speakers. Could you now tell us your favorite quotation? Hmm. It comes from a man named Leo Rostin. And uh, it's interesting, Oscar, because you've, you've listened to my books and, and every single one of my books, whether it's Tung Fu or Pop or What's Holding You Back or Concentrate, each of them has more than 200 quotes. Hmm. And why I like to use quotes is because I really think that they are intriguing. I try and pick hmm. ones that are relevant and that people haven't seen before and that pop, you know, that really, ha, huh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Ooh, hmm. that's interesting. That really viscerally grab us. And, and yet in all these years, more than 30 years that I've been using quotes, my favorite is still this one from Leo Rostin. And he said, the purpose of life is not 
to be happy. It's to matter, to feel that it's made some difference that we have lived at all. Now, I think it's really important. Leo Rostin isn't saying it's not important to be happy. It's really important to be happy. It's just not the purpose of life. Mm. The purpose of life is to matter and to feel that it's making some difference that we have lived, that there are people who are somehow better off because of their association with us. And Oscar, you know this because you're a speaker and a writer and a podcaster. It's one of the many, many joys of the work that we do. We have the unique pleasure and privilege of knowing that uh, that hopefully our words are reaching people and are impacting them and making a difference. And aren't we fortunate? Oh, yes, we are. And thanks for the quotation. And it's true that you, you had, there are many quotations on your book. I like many of them. <laughs> many of them were new, as you said. So that really intrigued me. <laughs> Sam, could you now recommend us one book that has inspired you and you think our listeners should read it? Oh, yes. I just encountered a book that I, I'm gifting to my sons. I'm gifting to my friends. It is a magnificent book and it is called What Do You Do With an Idea? And it's actually a children's book, but it is exquisitely illustrated. And, um, it, it has a, it shows a little boy who has an idea and it's a fantastic idea. He's really excited about the idea. And then he tells it to a few people and they, they step on his idea. Oh, this will never work. Oh, what makes you think that you can do this? And the idea looks like a little egg and it has little feet. It looks like a little gremlin egg and it shows this little egg walking away very dejected. And then the little boy, he can't get this idea out of his head. And, and so he brings the idea back. And then it shows him taking the ceiling off the, the roof of his house and throwing the idea up in the sky so that the idea can take wings and take flight. And the final page is that he knows why we get ideas. And it is because they change us and they change the world. It's a magical book, Oscar. I think you'd really enjoy it. I never heard about it, but yes, yeah, sounds really magical, as, as you said. Sam, now could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend doing daily or weekly as a routine to shine? Yes, I, I, I really recommend this following piece of advice. And it's not just for me, it's from all of the writers, best-selling writers who came mm -hmm. to Maui Writers Conference. And this is whether it's Mitch Album with Tuesdays with Maury or Nicholas Sparks with, with uh, Message in a Bottle, or it's uh, that they didn't agree on anything. One would say, you have to work with an outline. And the next would say, I never work with an outline. Mm -hmm. But they all, re they all recommend this, ink it when you think it. Mm -hmm. And, and jot the thought when it's hot and muse it so you don't lose it. You know, Oscar, we make our living from our mind. And when something occurs to us or when we hear something interesting or when we see an article that really grabs our attention, gets our eyebrows up, so often we tell ourselves, oh, that, that would make, I should blog about that or, oh, I should put that in my presentation or I want to remember that. 
But if we don't write it down, we don't. I mean, they don't call them fleeting thoughts for nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I carry a little notebook with me everywhere. I mean, on my walks, I have a notebook. It's like when at lunch, I'm writing things down. Uh, when I'm with people, I'm jotting things as they, as they talk about them because it becomes a way of processing our world. Annie Lamott said, writers get to live life twice. Well, I think we get to live life thrice if we write things down. We get to, we, it makes us much more observant of our world. It keeps our antenna up. And when something gets our eyebrows up, we write it. So we more intensely experience the world. Then when we recall it, when we look back over our notes, it's, oh my gosh, that was a year ago, but I'd forgotten about that. But here it is again. And what a great idea that is. Then we get to share it in a blog or in a presentation or in a podcast. And then it not only benefits us again, it benefits whoever reads it or hears it or sees it. So if I have an exercise, it is, it's this weekend, go to um, a bookstore, a stationery store, and, and a journal is going to pop out and it's going to, your, your hand's going to reach out to it. You because it resonates for some reason. Maybe it has a beautiful leather cover. Maybe it has horses on it, and you like horses, <laughs> or what, maybe it has the beach on it. But but get a journal, start carrying it with you everywhere. And if you do, if you ink it when you think it, and you muse it so you don't lose it, and you jot your thoughts when they're hot, you will find that you are living life even more intensely and intriguingly, and you will benefit. And the people who read. What you write or people who watch what you video or people who listen to your podcast will benefit as well. Oh, that's a great piece of advice. Inking when you think, and that's true. You easily can have a great inspiration, great idea, and you, you just can just forget it and you will not going to, to find it when you need it. So that's thanks, right. So thanks a lot for that. Sam, this has been a very, Excellent interview. I like a lot talking with you, knowing more about you and letting the know to my listeners. And could you finally tell us how our listeners can learn more about you or follow you? Yes, uh, they can go to my website. It's real easy to remember and access. It's samhorn.com. So it's S-A-M-H-O-R-N.com. And I have blogs on there. We also have a, a free ebook on there called Confused People Don't Say Yes. <laughs> and uh, my TEDx video is on there and people can subscribe to our newsletter. So I hope they visit samhorn.com. And also all of our social media is on there. So people can follow us on Twitter, Sam Horn Intrigue, or on Facebook, and we can stay in touch. And my speaking calendar is on there as well. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll have an opportunity to meet in person one day at one of my speaking engagements. Sure. Thank you a lot, Sam. It was a great interview. I enjoyed talking with you. It was a pleasure and all the best. Thank you so much. I hope your listeners found this interesting and useful. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sam. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website, www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week.